0: As cities fight obesity, more states are going to ban grocery taxes. Welcome to the Knock on Effect. This is The Knock-On Effect, where we start with a thing you know and end up in a strange place. I'm Justine Underhill, joined as always by...
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Rosenberg.
0: Good answer. Yes. (laughs) You got it. Off to Uh, a roll. Yes, we're off to a great start. And so today, we're going to be talking a little bit about obesity and how that relates to grocery taxes. Now, this is, in some ways, I see this as a continuation of... Your knock on effect from a few weeks ago,
1: yeah, where where I talked about how uh more urbanization would lead to more obesity would lead to uh, potentially more depression, potentially more uh, medication, and be good for uh, oh, India
0: really uplifting knock on effect, yes,
1: yes, yes, but what I don't so we say we start with a thing you know. I don't really know that cities are trying so hard to combat obesity. Um,
0: Oh, and yeah, so this might be something that... If they are,
1: they're not doing such a great job of it.
0: This is where we start out with the thing you don't know and end up in a strange place. (laughs) So uh, cities are trying to at least do something about the obesity um, epidemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and for good reason, because estimated... Annual healthcare costs of obesity-related illnesses are between $147 billion to nearly $210 billion per year in the U.S. Um, I've seen some estimates that say that that's about 20% of annual medical spending. That sounds like a lot. I've seen it between 10% to 20%.
1: It's hard. It must be hard to judge, though, because, like, some people would get diabetes anyway or right. whatever. It's like
0: hypertension. There's all sorts of—even uh, uh, sleep-related disorders can oh, be caused— Oh, sleep apnea. Totally. Yeah.
1: That's what killed uh, Divine.
0: Is it? It is. Oh wow! Uh, so that's where these you things know, the, the... from John Waters. I right, right. see that as a reference. I, was just I in actually Baltimore,
1: know. So I'm. I they're big in the divine area. Ah
0: yes. Well, I'm from the nearby area, so yeah. I do know about divine. Um, but anyway, a lot of this is due to diet, right. how we eat. So let's take a look. Let's go in your mind and let's take a look inside the. Average American shopping cart. So I just
1: want to track. this is season one of The Knock-On Effect, and already this is the second time I'm being asked to imagine a grocery store.
0: Oh, right. Huh, interesting. I think I just really like doing that. I also asked you to imagine a cargo shipping yard. Right. Yeah, I right. just like asking people to imagine things.
1: Is there any time, maybe we'll get into this later, but are there any times between this episode and the grocery episode? Um. And the... Apple episode. Wow. A lot, of yeah, lot, of, a lot food. of
0: yeah, a lot of food coming in. Yeah, I'm sure we can tie it all together at the right, end. Let's, let's see what try. we can do. Okay, so imagine your typical grocery shopping cart. So the six most purchased items, they are cheese, bread, milk, bagged snacks, beef, and soda. That is not in any particular order. And it turns out that Americans spend the most of all those six items on soda. So crazy. So crazy. $1.6 billion is spent on soda. And so this is information that we were able to get from uh, SNAP, which is a Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So that's the food stamp food assistance program in the U.S. So they were tracking what Americans buy, both SNAP recipients and non-SNAP recipients. And so that is the total for everyone uh, is the highest most purchased item is soda. Um, the next most purchased item is milk
1: mm-hmm.
0: at $1.5 billion per year. Now, when you widen the category to sweetened beverages, so not just soda, uh, SNAP households spend about 10% of food dollars on those sugary drinks. Uh, that's slightly above non-SNAP households, which spend about 7% of their food purchases on sugary drinks
1: it's just it's it's so strange to me that that people are spending food stamps on soda it it kind of vile i mean it it doesn't i don't know it just runs contrary to what you would think and probably what you would hope i mean they're they're called food stamps like they're, they're it's like they the the vision in your head is oh you know it's it's to prevent um children from going to bed hungry uh
0: it's to make sure that people are fed and right. not starving in the U.S. Right. And so that's where it's like, well, soda is definitely not a necessity. No. But then if you limit it's, it's it to only it's an unnecessity. Right. But then if you limit it to only necessities, you know, it's like who gets to draw the I know, line? But can't you
1: draw the line at food? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Like, water is the best beverage. I, I. I so, but then you, so then you deny people
0: this. coffee. Yeah.
1: No. Oh. I don't know, but if there, if no one starves for lack of coffee. I mean, I, like, I, I about, would I would pr- die for a of coffee. What about this?
0: a protein shake? That's
1: food. To me, to me, to me. Listen, so then if you there's, want there's if you want to make lines... a protein shake at home, if you want to get some get that powder, that powder counts as food.
0: Okay. It, I mean, uh, seriously,
1: what, why can't we just draw the line between food and beverage?
0: Okay. Well, well, when we're living in Alex's ah, yeah. United States, right. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the dictator and impose that. But anyway, in this world. It's a little bit more tricky, and I actually, well, I want to get to...
1: I guess, sorry. Yeah. Another thing is that milk is kind of a good thing to have.
0: Yeah. People. Okay, so, yeah, what about milk? I know. I... And that has sugar in it, so I don't know. It's like where, where you draw the line becomes very difficult. Right. Um, but I do want to take a quick aside here because I do want to stress what sugar does to the body. Um, so studies have found that by drinking one or two sugary drinks per day just one or two, increases the risk of developing type 2 diabetes by 26%. And after six months, daily consumption of sugary drinks increases fat deposits in the liver by 150%, leading directly to both type 2 diabetes and heart disease. It's a problem. Yeah. And so cities were looking for a way to combat this because, guess what, a lot of money, taxpayer dollars, is spent on um, health care costs. And so to do that, they were looking specifically at the SNAP programs to say, hey, why are we spending money to the tune of half a billion dollars per year? So this is across the U.S. Um, spending that much to subsidize sugary drinks and sodas.
1: And we're going to end up having to pay for it later, by the way.
0: Yeah, you know, right. Exactly. So it's that's not even the full cost of it.
1: Right. In the form of healthcare, care, of course.
0: Yes. And so it just sort of. A no-brainer in a way. Like, why are we why are we paying for that? But you know what? The fight actually was a little bit more difficult than you would expect, uh, because it wasn't just uh, the industry, so the soda industry, saying, "Hey, you know, th- you, we need to be kept in the food stamp program." It's also anti-hunger groups, so it was a little bit of a bizarre combination where
1: bizarre. industry
0: is is paired up with anti-hunger groups to say, "Hey, don't." Don't ban anything from SNAP recipients.
1: Well, yeah. I wonder if it's like if it's like the NRA sometimes is like, oh no, don't ban like you know selling assault rifles to mentally ill people, even though that seems like it might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. But but it's like it's a, kind of a slippery slippery slope argument. He tried to say.
0: Ah, uh, you know I I don't really like slippery slope arguments. Well, yeah,
1: you know because once you use a slippery slope argument, you could then end up using other worse arguments after that, you know, uh, like ad hominem attacks. And... Got
0: it, got it, got it. Well, anyway, basically what's been happening is that... <laughs>
1: Come on, the... that was pretty good.
0: Uh, uh, what, what's been happening is that they were trying to insert into the farm bill that just passed um, bans on certain spending in terms of SNAP. For SNAP recipients, so whether they could spend money on unhealthy food and junk food and soda and other things like that, it didn't go through. But it there was a battle to try to get that in there.
1: So what, as the SNAP program is constituted now, like what can you buy, what can't you buy?
0: Well, basically, a lot of it you're you're open to most things in the grocery store. You can't buy alcohol, you can't buy tobacco, um, but pretty much everything else is fair game. Um, National so Enquirer. Um. Probably not. I think it does have to be related to food. Okay. So, yeah, no, none of the toys or anything else, but if as long as it's food. But it's interesting because— uh, I mean,
1: alcohol is not necessarily—like, beer isn't necessarily worse for you than soda. It's actually probably not as bad. I mean, it can have some pretty bad health consequences if you, like, have a lot of it. But if you have, <laughs> if you have one beer versus one soda—
0: so you're looking to ban soda, but not beer? No, I think we should ban liquids. Okay, just milk. ban all liquids <laughs> except milk.
1: Liquids besides milk. This is actually that's your
0: that's your campaign slogan. Well,
1: maybe maybe orange juice.
0: Oh my god!
1: Uh, it's a slippery slope, <laughs> isn't it?
0: Yeah. Anyway, so basically, a lot of the the anti-hunger advocates were saying that this, if you block people from buying sodas, it would. Add a stigma to the SNAP program because it's already like these people already face stigmas when participating in it. Other things are that it would be a, an administrative nightmare to for grocers to have to separate these things out. But anyway, so then this
1: is it because when you go to the grocery store, it they comes already up have soda, to, it says soda. Right.
0: I know, um, but you'll have to talk to them about but where's it. the line like is, yeah. is La
1: Croix, Cro- Cro- right? Croy, is that does that count? La Croix, right? Sure. <laughs>
0: anyway uh yeah it's like where where do you draw the line what do you determine to be a sugary drink what's not if it has sugar added cranberry juice has sugar added apple juice yeah apple juice is sweet as all hell yeah so where do you draw the line there anyway so that sort of fizzled out because Mm. nothing was put into the farm bill uh, and so now people are looking to other avenues and so that gets to the tax front which makes sense um why specifically target people who are on SNAP? I mean, if this is really bad for health consequences later on for everybody, then tax it. Make the costs higher. Take in all those negative externalities and actually put a price on it. Um, and so that's sort of what people are looking to do. So to date, 40 counties and seven cities, including Berkeley, San Francisco, Oakland, Boulder, Seattle, Philadelphia, have implemented soda taxes And more municipalities are considering them.
1: Has New York, didn't New York ban like super big
0: drinks? So that was the gulp size. So that was under Bloomberg. He didn't want people to have, I guess, soda, sugary drinks that were larger than a certain size. Right. And so that's where the big gulp comes into play. Right. And people made a lot of fun of that and it ended up kind of falling through, so oh, there there's no no ban on that anymore. But I will say Bloomberg did contribute to a lot of these cities to get soda taxes passed. Mm-hmm. But God, he's
1: trying to stop us from drinking soda and using guns. I mean, it's... What? what? <laughs> the, the gall.
0: The gall. Well, Not to
1: mention the liver.
0: <laughs> ah, very good. This all comes back to the liver. Yes. Well, so basically what happened in November of 2016, so that's when we really did see a... Uh, a surge in soda taxes come into play. Um, It was a terrible month for the soda industry. They burned nearly $25 million campaigning against taxation measures in California. Yet voters in San Francisco, Oakland, Albany passed hefty taxes on sugary drinks. But the soda industry was not about to give up. No, no, no. This year, 2018, big soda... Got it's Revenge. Okay. Could be like the title of a book. Sure. Big Soda's Revenge. So over the summer, California Governor Jerry Brown signed into law a bill prohibiting all California counties and cities from enacting any new taxes on sugary drinks for the next 12 years. So until 2031, no California county can raise taxes on sugary drinks.
1: And you know what else is good news? I finally remembered the Dead Kennedys song that... Jerry Brown is mentioned in. Oh. It's California Uber Alice.
0: California Uber Alice.
1: Right. I am Governor Jerry Jerry Brown. Brown. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for that completely random No, it wasn't
1: random. We were talking about it after we
0: recorded. Yeah, okay. But the the audience, no no one else knows that. (laughs) Anyway. now now you guys do. Now you guys do. Anyway. um, Why in the world did Governor Jerry Brown sign into law a bill that would prohibit local municipalities from raising taxes on sugary drinks.
1: It seems crazy to me.
0: Yeah, sounds crazy. Well, guess who's behind it? So the American Beverage Association, that's the lobbying group for Coke, Pepsi, Snapple, they poured $7 million into something called the Tax Fairness, Transparency, and Accountability Act of 2018. Now, this act was basically a ballot initiative that would have made it much harder for cities in California to raise taxes of any kind on anything. So that includes new taxes and fees that would support libraries, public safety, other government services. Um, This is something, I mean, this was wide-ranging, far-reaching. And it triggered fears among local governments and unions that they might not be able to raise the revenue they needed in the future. So, guess what? The Beverage Association was very kind... And they dropped that measure, uh, but they, they did want something in, res- in response. And so what happened was uh, Jerry Brown signed this bill that would say that they would not raise taxes on the soda industry. So basically, they took out the soda industry, the beverage industry took out a big bazooka. They said, you can't raise taxes on anything. And then California statewide said, oh, don't please don't do that. Um, we'll we'll make sure that we don't raise taxes on soda.
1: So I want to get just a little more into the mechanics of how it's possible for, you know, because like how could the industry uh, set up a situation such that it would be possible for California to not be able to raise taxes?
0: Right. Which th- that sounds crazy. Really does. Well, basically what it was, was it was uh, a measure that would have gone on the ballot um, that said that. And so you can. Put pretty much anything you want on the California Take it to um, a vote on the ballot if you get enough signatures. So that's around like three hundred to 500,000 signatures okay. for a specific measure. Now, that's something that was meant for like grassroots movements. If they wanted to get something put on the ballot, um, they could do that. However, it's been more and more. Used for industry groups um, and by industry groups because they're the ones that have enough money to be able to collect all those signatures and do that. So basically, what the Beverage Association did was collect enough signatures to put something like that on the ballot, which was basically strong arming California. And, and
1: then, but then there's the threat also that people are going to be dumb enough to vote for it.
0: Right, exactly. Um, and so here's, I have. I have a quote here from how one state senator described the situation to Kaiser Health News. Quote, the industry is aiming basically a nuclear weapon at the government in California and saying, if you don't do what we want, we're going to pull the trigger and you're not going to be able to fund basic government services. This is uh, what Senator Scott Wiener of right. San Francisco said. This is a pick your poison as kind of situation, <laughs> a Sophie's Choice, if you will.
1: Uh, I don't know about the Sophie's Choice. It's a bit of a yeah. slippery slope.
0: <laughs>
1: but, uh, no, but um, I, what, what's interesting, though, is that, you know, it sort of shows a lack of trust in the voters because a, a, a smart voting populace would not would be like, oh, yeah, no, I know I don't like taxes. Like, that's not, like, my favorite part of the year, yeah. tax day. But, like, I also understand that they serve a function. Like, the, there are two lessons here for mm-hmm. me. One is... Don't just sign things. I I hate you know people always have they're like oh we sign this petition and I'm always like no I'm not gonna sign this petition. Oh okay. Like don't sign things. Like okay, my so friends don't... are just like okay, you're you're a pretty person. Like I'm just gonna sign this. You know. Gotcha. And so, but also like, I don't know, man. Like don't vote for referendums if you don't know what they're about. Like what the hell?
0: Yeah, and so that's where it it, it was all. It was a lot of disguise, and we'll get to even more disguises that right. that are I mean... being put on later. Uh, and so this is not just—this strong-arming is not just happening in the U.S. It's also happening in places like Mexico. So in 2014, Mexico instituted a soda tax. This is the first national soda tax of its kind. And Mexico, by the way, is Coca-Cola's biggest consumer by market per capita consumption.
1: It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. And so that posed quite the threat to Coca-Cola. So after the tax passed in 2014, Coke pledged $8.2 billion worth of investments in Mexico through 2020. And this is sort of a tactic, at least the way I see it, to use leverage to try to roll back the taxes. So they're investing a huge amount of money that gives them a lot more leverage in Mexico in the future Mm. uh, now that this soda tax has been passed. And then we even saw a headline. I have this quote: "Government-grade spyware hits Mexican advocates of soda tax." So that's not necessarily Coca-Cola doing that, but it just basically goes to show that there's a huge amount of money involved. Um, a lot of these people that were advocating for a soda tax, they were being harassed, threatened, spied on, um, and there's a lot at stake here in terms of the soda industry.
1: Yeah,
0: and in some ways, it looks like big tobacco. It certainly does. So for example, tobacco industry spent decades funneling money into research that made cigarettes look less harmful than they really were. Now, beverage companies,
1: that's the who 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 was that had that gummy bears quote? Was that like the CEO of Phil Morris at the time said uh, you know, c- cigarettes are addictive. You know, gummy bears if I have one, I'll I'll want to have another one it doesn't mean it's addictive, which interestingly,
0: it is addictive. Right. Gummy yeah. bears. Our sugar. Yeah. is that funny? Yeah. Well, so now beverage it's companies... Kind of like a heroin
1: dealer being like, it's no, more... it's not addictive. I mean, if I have a bump of cocaine, I'm going to want another yeah. bump of cocaine.
0: Right. Yeah. And so that's where it's like um, the cigarette companies were saying that, you know, or trying to shield how unhealthy... The products were same thing is going on with beverage companies. So there's actually a scandal a few years ago, where Coca-Cola spent 146 million on well-being related scientific research partnerships um, and health professional activities from 2010 to 2017, and a 2016 study found that Coca-Cola and Pepsi funded 95 national medical organizations from 2011 to 2015, wow. and that was while they were lobbying against. Um, dozens of public health bills that were aimed to reduce soda consumption. So Coca-Cola funded the publication of 389 articles. 389 articles were funded by Coca-Cola mm-hmm. in 169 journals. That was from 2008 to 2016, but, which is crazy because that there's no way that that doesn't skew the research.
1: Like, again, like, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I understand that Coca-Cola is the villain in this story. But, like, also, I mean, you know, they're a corporation. They're trying to sell more things. They're trying to make the public think their are things healthier than it is. Not the best, you know, thing in the world. But I get it. But how about these doctors and scientists who are taking money from Coca-Cola and doing this research? I mean, that's really that's, – that's, to me, so much more egregious, right?
0: After the New York Times reported on this, a lot of – I mean, it was an embarrassment to a lot of these journals – and researchers. So there has been a big sort of distancing between the research community and Coca-Cola. Not 100 percent, but the problem is, is that a lot of these papers are still out there. And, and so it's, it's frustrating. And, and that sort of sets up one more way that uh, big soda is kind of like big tobacco. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually brings us back to the tax fight because the history of big tobacco actually might provide some parallels as to what's going to happen here. So we have a couple of commercials that we're going to play. Uh, Let's take a listen to the first one. It's election time, and there's a lot in your voter guide. It's simple. Voting yes prohibits politicians from taxing any food or beverages and protects families struggling with the high cost of living. Okay, so that was a farmer speaking, um, and this was actually part of a campaign in Washington state this year, 2018, called Yes to Affordable Groceries. And I want to have you listen to the next one. This is Edith's story. We need to eat to survive. And if we have to cut back on what we eat, that's not going to be good, especially for for the elderly. They're penny-pinching already, and they're going to have to cut out special nutrients. I just want to highlight something that Edith said. So she said, we need to eat to survive. <laughs> I'm and with her there. We do need to eat to survive. That is a true statement. And if we have to cut back on what we eat, that's not going to be good, especially for the elderly. I mean, what
1: the hell? So does that sound... I'm sorry, but... Does that
0: sound like it has anything to do with soda?
1: Well, it's also like, you know, I mean, there's not really starvation anymore, and there's like a lot of obesity, so it's...
0: Well, and so it's just Everyone ate ate less. Oh, it was... mm, Okay, well, the thing is, is that these commercials were, guess what... Paid for by the soda industry. Of course. And so basically, soda companies use their war chests to fund uh, Washington and Oregon ballot measures in this past election cycle that would ban any cities within those states from raising taxes on groceries, but most importantly, obviously, soda. Mm -hmm. And so it's very similar to what happened in California earlier this year. but this one in Washington state specifically, over $22 million was spent on the campaign. It's pretty crazy. So the Yes to Affordable Groceries campaign spent $22 million. Um, against it, the Healthy Kids Coalition spent 33000 33000 versus $22 million. I mean, that's just not even a comparison.
1: Well, you know, Healthy Kids, it, it's hard to— because usually kids raise money through bake sales. But okay. the embarrassing thing here was they had to sell, you know, nuts and, and maybe some oh, fruits. And those don't sell sugary. nearly as much as brownies. So they had they had a big uh, issue. You know, it's they really couldn't sell lemonade. They, they Really actually, interesting hypothesis.
0: I can hypothesis. really keep this okay, bit yeah. going for a
1: while. So you got to cut me off. <laughs> I'm
0: cutting you off now. <laughs> Uh, basically, the $22 million on the other side uh, came from the biggest donors were Coca-Cola, spending $10.5 million, Pepsi spending $7.9 million, uh, Dr. Pepper spending $2.3 and Snapple spending almost $1 million. Red Bull all the way at the last place, spending about a quarter of a million dollars. Come on, Red
1: Bull. What, what do you guys, a healthy yeah. kids coalition?
0: It's crazy. So these beverage companies put on this campaign called Yes to Affordable Groceries, trying to scare people, saying that taxes on your groceries are going to increase if you don't stop it. Nobody was threatening to raise grocery taxes. Actually, there are no grocery taxes in Washington State. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't even a question. And so they basically put out mailers and ads. This isn't even to mention the number of Facebook ads. My uncle, who lives in Washington State, said he saw... Hundreds of advertisements got dozens of mailers. I mean, it was just over the top in terms of this Yes to Affordable Groceries campaign. And so guess what? it passed.
1: Oh, my God. So I mean, now, I mean, come on, people. Like, come on, people. Seriously.
0: But a lot of it was framed as your food is going to yeah, get more frame, expensive. Yeah, but framed,
1: c- come, you know, it's like there's no good information out there. Right, I, but, mean, I mean, people are so impulsive. They just probably went to the ballot box and they're like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll think, yes.
0: And especially when 22 million, but it, that's so much to fight against. 22 million dollars versus 33,000. There's nobody on the other side to fight this.
1: But I also don't, like, understand referendums. Like, we elect representatives to make our laws, but then we also pass referendums to constrain the laws that our representatives can make. I mean, what's up with that?
0: Yeah, so it's it's kind of a bizarre situation. Isn't so it? basically, the state level voted saying that local municipalities have no right to raise grocery taxes at all.
1: Right. I mean, meanwhile, we're electing the local representatives and the state representatives. So then what's like, the point of— it's almost, yeah. It almost reminds me of what I said about the Fed last week. People are like— Oh, yeah, the Fed's just like working in the shadows. Like, well, we can, we all affect that because we choose who runs the Fed. Like, we literally choose everything the Fed does. Enough with the referendums. Referendi. Referendi?
0: Referendums. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I can't wait to see your campaign message, Alex. <laughs> but it, it's it's interesting because, um, again, I just want to point out $22 million was spent in Washington State um, on the Ford campaign. Uh, bizarrely, in Oregon, only five million dollars was spent on that campaign, for and they were able to raise or, or groups in Oregon were able to raise uh, about three to four million to fight it. So the spending was a lot more balanced. And guess what? Oregon didn't pass it. Mm-hmm. So you have a little basically tale of two states going on there. Um, but this is something that's very similar to what tobacco companies did in the 90s and 2000s. So basically, they used their lobbying clout to persuade state lawmakers to block cities and counties from passing smoke-free ordinances. So it's the same thing. They were using state power to block city ordinances. And so by 2006, 21 states had preempted local smoke-free laws. Even today, 13 states have some sort of ban on local smoke-free laws. So Again, using this larger power really to block I, I didn't realize that, that was power. still banned. Yeah. And so it is key here that they were going after the West Coast states. Um, in some ways, it's, it's a smart tactic because it basically helps kill the grassroots movements um, in the states that usually start those sorts of grassroots mm. movements. So basically, it just kills it immediately. And so that leads us to our conclusion. As cities take up the fight against obesity... More states are going to crack down and ban grocery taxes. So don't be surprised if you actually see more of these measures across the country soon.
1: But don't vote on things without knowing what they
0: are, guys. People do that all the time. I know. Yeah. Stop. I mean, stop. Okay. well Don't. Stop drinking soda. I mean, it's yeah, easier Yeah, definitely said,
1: stop drinking soda.
0: Easier said than done. Yeah, it's it's—here's the craziest thing to me. At the end of the day— what I haven't really been able to make sense of is, you know, so there was a study in Berkeley that found that a soda tax um, didn't actually hurt stores at all. Mm. Um, and residents ended up buying less soda but more bottled water. Guess who owns the bottled water? Yeah. Yeah. It's Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Right. A lot of the juices and other drinks are owned by Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And so they're still able to make a lot of money at the end of the day. I'm not sure why they're fighting tooth and nail against um, states or against Be- cities putting in soda taxes. You know
1: You know why? Because sodas are addictive and they have more of a monopoly on the market. Mm. Water is, uh, yeah, I guess, less- you're going to addictive. but. You know, the water, if, if you live I'm in... I'm
0: addicted a, to water.
1: I am. If you live in a state that's uh, not called Florida, like the water coming out of your tap... Sorry, Florida. The water coming out of your tap is actually pretty good. And, like, I, I don't know. I, I think New York water is just as good, if not better, than most kinds of bottled water. Listen, it's no Fiji water. But mm. I think it beats Poland Spring. Um, it's about on the level of Dasani.
0: Thanks for that. I, I
1: could go on. Um, but but it's because these sodas are addictive. It's It's because it's... Um, you know, water is, e- is easily replaceable. Although I will say, you know, I, I do sometimes buy bottles of water in, in like, strange situations. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm buying a sandwich and I'm going to eat it there, like, maybe I'll buy a bottle of water. Very rare. But this episode, and I'm not a big boycotter, mm-hmm. this episode's kind of making me feel like not even buying, like, Dasani water oh. and, and anything from these, these beverage guys Because giants. of their or this du- some of the snacks that PepsiCo makes. And, yeah. I don't know, this... This seems pretty bad.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's sort of in some ways they hijacked. Uh, I would consider hijacked democracy in California. Um, They were being totally duplicitous in Washington state.
1: Yeah. And this is the point I made in the in the video version is that, like, I don't think this ultimately changes due to taxes. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, soda's a little more expensive. People will stop drinking soda. I do think that it changes because social mores change. And just as social mores change with cigarettes. And, you know, it's been really interesting. The movie industry was targeted in a way of, you know, let's stop having the heroes smoke cigarettes. Um, not, not that heroes in movies drink sodas, but us in culture, like, I think we're a lot more permissive about soda drinking than we should be. Yeah. And I think when you see, you know, see your uncle or whatever, like, if you see someone, someone you know, order a soda, you should be like, hey, Sh- don't.
0: Yeah, shame them. Shame them. I, yeah. I'm, I'm
1: a big believer in shame,
0: and that that will be the thing to get. That I mean, so that's how it worked with tobacco. That's how it is. It'll probably work with soda. Yeah. So even with the bans in the states across the country, I I will say it is. You bring up a really important point. Um, there is a fairly inelastic demand for soda. Oh yeah. So what 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 we do see is that um, even though soda drinkership.
1: Drinks, drinksmanship.
0: Drinksmanship is declining. <laughs> uh, the, the amount of the money that soda makers are getting for soda is increasing.
1: Right. That's so they're able to
0: charge more per soda.
1: So how does this connect to, uh, to the slotting fees in the earlier episode? Are they paying slotting fees? To, to?
0: Oh, yeah. Soda makers definitely pay slotting fees, uh, which basically means they pay a lot of money to grocery stores to get their products displayed. Ah, there was an interesting study that showed that In poor and lower income areas, Mm -hmm. sodas are put prominently on display on days that recipients get SNAP funding.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, And so it's definitely something where people are even more encouraged to drink soda.
1: Like, I don't want to deny people small pleasures, I guess, but like.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, I think on that somber note, we'll Mm. leave it there. That's a nice little points to meditate on. You can listen to Knock on Effect episodes every Thursday on your podcast app. And you can also check out the video version of this episode where we actually had some snacks and other things and props at realvision.com slash knock on effect.
1: And you can also sign up for your 14 day free trial to Real Vision. Uh, a A lot of good stuff on the platform these days. Had an interesting look at what what chemical sales are telling us about the Global Economy came out on Monday. Uh, ooh, and I think we have a really good episode, uh, interview coming out on Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday,
0: go to realvision.com. Yeah. Great. See you guys next week. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads.